Ira Jersey, take it away. Welcome to League One Fun, presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. I'm Ira Jersey, and that voice you heard to start us off was Jason. Hey, Jason, look what I got in the mail after, yeah, uh, after I, I you, see. you did a little bit of magic on the well, show a couple must weeks ago. Must be nice. You know you know who didn't get in the mail yet is your boy. So. Oh, come on. It's it, it, You know what I'm it is? Sure. It's that it's that mail service down in Atlanta. You know, I, I, think. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, every, everybody's got corona down here so it's not a not a surprise <laughs> so so jason i think we should go back to kind of our regular schedule we're, we're gonna have a, a guest on a little later do you want to tease who that guest is before yeah, we get into some of the gonna news have, we're gonna have brandon fricky of greenville triumph to come in and talk to us about the new safety protocols training during this difficult time and uh what he's looking forward to in the season and what's his uh new life like in greenville that's what we got to do. He's been uh, he's been a lot of different places. I look forward to asking him a little bit about his time overseas in Sweden, as well as playing for his hometown, Des Moines Menace, and uh, and of course we got to ask him at least a little bit about Lansing and what he thinks about uh, those guys creating a, a, sure a homegrown but, club. But over wonderful there. thoughts, yeah, <laughs> yeah, if any. So first, so Jason broke this news a little bit earlier today that was confirmed, but a club has dropped out of USL League One for this season. Jason, you want talk a little bit about that yeah and there's been there's been uh some rumors going around for a second i heard something a couple weeks ago but nothing concrete then today um uh toronto fc2 officially have withdrawn from usl league one 2020 season it it makes sense logistically right uh, unlike us with our uh entitled selfish asses canada has actually been doing their quarantine right and they've been doing their safety protocols right so for them to be able to come in this country and go back into Canada, it was too much of a, a strict restrictions they have up there. For instance, anytime they went back to Canada, they'd have to quarantine for 14 days. So even if they did do a spell to where they tried to have all of their home games at once and all their away games at once, when they go back, they wouldn't even be able to train within those 14 days of quarantine to prepare for those home games. So, you know, they sat down with the league, it sounds like, and they both had a mutual understanding that it just wasn't going to be able to happen this year. And of course, to uh, honor them, you're wearing a Toronto FC yeah, jersey. Listen, I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's the right decision, right? I'm first and foremost going to say that, say it with my chest. I, you know, it's really conflicting that this league is starting what next week and USL championship starting this week because I, I personally don't feel like there should be fans in and out, but that's another conversation. But for what Toronto's doing, what Canada's doing as a country, it's the right decision. You don't want to risk the spread. You don't want to make this a hassle to where you're trying to do loopholes or workarounds to, to these restrictions. And so it's unfortunate, though, because Toronto is a fun team to watch, right? And now that a lot of us are working from home, we actually had the, the ability and the time to throw on those Friday afternoon primetime games while we're at work. And so it's sad because there's a lot of good players. You look at Jaden Nelson, right? This was his year to break out. You look at uh, Dante Campbell. This could have been a breakout year for him. And Toronto has shown what they did with Jacob Schaffelberg last year, that they're willing to call up people to the first team. You know, Endo came down and he had some, some reps while he prepared to then go make an appearance in MLS Cup. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's crucial not just to the league and Toronto FC too, but to Toronto FC as well, right? Because I guess the big question outside of scheduling, which we'll talk about in a second, is what do these players do? 
because now they're going to have to go a whole year and a half without playing a competitive soccer game. It, yeah, it, it's weird. Yeah, it ends up, you know, they have to play, you know, interleague stuff and maybe, you know, maybe they'll play some friendlies later on in, in the year when uh, if things if things get a little better. So so what I'm hearing to break a little news is that we will get an updated schedule in the next uh, 24 to 48 hours. So sometime on Thursday or Friday this week, we can expect an updated schedule. Um, from what I understand from uh, at least one source is that um, it'll continue to be a 20 match season. So um, it'll just be with 11 teams instead of 12. Um, so <clears throat> expect that a little bit too. Um, hopefully not too many, uh, travel plans were, uh, were, you know, messed up by this, but I, I don't think any of us can really be surprised just given, yeah. you know, the cross borders, uh, kind of, uh, stuff that would have to go, go on. Um, so, with that, maybe we should talk a little bit about the season structure for folks who haven't been keeping up with, uh, with all of the news. Um, but the, that, I have one question for you. Go for it. You think we see some of these players in the Canadian league? You, you know, that's that Toronto FC will put them on loan, you know, for, for a season to get them some reps and bring them back. You know, I hadn't considered that, but that would be very smart of them, right? Like even if they spread them out over, you know, over five or six teams, I mean, why not, you know, yeah. put, you know, get two of them out on loan. I mean, it'd be strange maybe for some of them to play against each other, but, um, but at least they would, like you said, they would get some reps, they'd get some comp competitive games under their belt. And, um, and, you know, if they can do that, then, um, then certainly that that's a great option. Yeah, that's a good thought. And, so. I mean, you've got national team players on this team, right? Okello is too good to not be playing. Jordan Perusa is too good to not be playing. Serbo is too good to not be playing. You know, these guys have to get in some kind of competitive minutes, especially since they didn't get to play this year. And then the next season won't start unless they move up the season until March, right? It's over a year and a half of not playing. They haven't played since December or October. Yeah. October, so, yeah. yeah. Did you, um, you know, I didn't watch much of the CPL last, last year what what level is that at do you think guys like jordan perusa would just absolutely tear up that league? I, no or? i don't think they tear it up i actually so i watched a couple of games and i actually enjoyed it i watched york a couple times and i thought that they were a very fun team to watch and so i think they would fit in though right i don't think that they would get lost and i don't think that they would tear it up per se either right i think you have a good balance to where you know they would showcase and it would be a it would be a good you know promotion of the league and kind of showing that you know even though it's a third division squad in in the u.s like usl league one has some talented players that can play with professionals who have been playing you know for the past 20 you know or 15 years I wonder if, given the exigent circumstances, if the CONCACAF and maybe the uh, the, the Canadian Soccer Federation would um, would allow maybe TFC two to play in the CPL for this season, you know, just as a one off, or maybe even just friendlies. So um, I I could see that if it was an independent team, but because it's a two team, I feel like you're you're murking some some waters but who knows right it's one of those things to where we don't know what's going to happen these protocols might stay right and then it's one of those things to where even after this mls tournament toronto can't play for the rest of the mls season right we have no idea what's going to happen so uh yeah anything is really kind of up for grabs i'm just i just hope that i get an opportunity you know to watch some of these guys because you know, Toronto, I, I agree. Toronto I mean, they were fun. They were one of the best last season. They were one of the best attacking teams in the league. I mean, they scored the second most goals and, you know, they, you know, they, they had a very leaky back line, but they were, they were an entertaining team to watch for sure. Yeah. Um, 
So why don't we talk a little bit about the league structure? So you know, one th the the primary thing with the league structure is that it's going to be a single table, which is not unusual. That's what we did last year, but there's not going to be a complete playoff. It's only going to be the first and second team going un-American, un-American. <laughs> Um, well, you know, obviously it's a little bit easier from a scheduling perspective, right. presumably, right? You don't have, uh, because you're, you'll probably know those opponents with, you know, maybe three or four games to go, at least, at least one of them can, you know, get ready to either host or, uh, or travel. So, uh, presumably that that'll be a decent, um, decent return. What do you think about having 20 matches? I mean, it means that there are going to be a number of midweek matches for some of these teams, even with Toronto dropping out. It's, it's going to be tough. Uh, so just like I, I mentioned earlier on Twitter about debt being the most important thing in this MLS tournament, it's going to be the most important thing for all you know the seasons in both USL Championship and USL League One, right? So you look at these teams who went in the off season and bolted up, you know, you know, have two quality left wingers, went ahead and got a, a third, fourth striker that they can sub in. You know, those teams are going to be the ones making the difference, and it, it, you know, twenty games is it's a good amount. I think that the first maybe three, four aren't going to be up to par. I think it's going to take a while for the players to kind of get their footing. Yeah, has uh, anyone has anyone played a preseason match? Right, like, like basically this is a second preseason. And yeah. and you know I spoke with uh, I spoke with Darren Van Tassel on the show last week. He's the owner of uh, Tormenta FC down in South Georgia, and he was saying like they weren't going to have any any friendlies against anyone like a, a university team or anything. Yeah. So 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 no. So this will be like the first even semi. Uh, yeah, well, I know some some teams played some closed door friendlies right before everything. You know, we won the quarantine, so that at least will help. And I think you know the the key is right now is the familiarity of these teams, right? So you look at New England as a brand new team. You look at Fort Lauderdale; they're kind of at a disadvantage because these guys have never played with each other. And now all of a sudden, you have to not, like you said, have any preseason games and just kind of go in in the ground running. So, yeah, I think for those first, you know, three to five games, we're not really going to see who is by far the favorite or, uh, you know, who's, you know, struggling the most. I think it's going to take time for a couple of these teams to really get it together. Right. So we'll talk about this in a minute, but there will be additional games. So they'll, uh, so they, there's each team has been given a regional rival that they'll actually play four times during this 20 match season. So, you know, a, a large number, 20% of all matches will be against one team. So those games are going to be, you know, probably create rivalries, I would think, because if you don't go 500 at least or, or better than 500 against that regional rival, it's going to be really hard to make that top two. Don't you think, Jason? It's like you ever, when you were a kid, have your friend come over and you're like, summer break, you could stay over for a whole week. And then by day two or three, they were annoying the hell out of you. And you're like, oh yeah, you need to go home. I feel like that's what's going to be this this regional rivalry thing, right? You're going to see the same players. You're going to have teams, especially if they press and they they get on your nerves and they're physical. By game three, you're going to hate this team. You're going to just be like, I'm tired of this. I don't I, feel like dealing with y'all anymore. I'm really sorry that that was your childhood because it, for me, it was play Dungeon Dragons until noon, play soccer until three, and then go in the pool until six. That was my, uh, not my pool, but someone else's pool. So that, that was my childhood yeah nah. uh, uh, two days you were you're you're too long we are arguing over what the watch you, you got to go home <laughs> all right uh should we talk a little bit about the safety protocols jason um well, before we do that though let's talk about these right the the regional rivals, you talk right? about the regional rivalries because, for sure we can do that so so first you know let's 
uh, maybe we'll just start at the top, right? And uh, so Chattanooga and South Georgia Tormenta. Um, what do we think about them as a rival? I mean, they, you know, they're certainly they're close. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> I know uh, Chattanooga, their omitted opponent, and um, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you mentioned it, but each team gets an omitted opponent uh, for the season to where they won't play them at all. Uh, and theirs is Tucson, so I'm sure they are ecstatic to not have to take that long flight out there, especially if they have to do midweek games. Um, you know, obviously when you think of Tormenta, you think that rivalry with Greenville. Um, but you know, this is this is an opportunity to form something new. Um, you know, Chattanooga kind of didn't have an opportunity to have a rival themselves last year, I don't think. So, you know, it's it's a new possibility. It's you know, logistically they're closer. And so we'll see, right? I think um Chattanooga, they keep games close. They're 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 a chippy team. They like to be physical and a tormenta like to hit you on the counter, like to have that fast passing. And so, you know, we could see, you know, either a game where we're gonna get zero 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 ones or we're gonna open it up and have some two two three two games. And these were two teams that were really fighting for playoff spots last year, right up until the end. So, um, you know, it'll really be interesting to see how they how they approach these games because you, you do at uh, you know is is Chattanooga? I don't think Chattanooga is playing in their new stadium or, or yet. Or do we know that? Yeah. I I don't even know. Yeah. So so I know they were starting to put seats in, but I'm not sure that they're going to. So be I know like the, the, the beginning. There are seats in. I've seen like the executive seats, and they look nice. Yeah. But I don't think that they're done with the construction yet to where they're going to be playing. Right. So so they'll be playing on turf presumably again, and and South Georgia doesn't seem to do quite as well on those turf pitches as they do on their on their gra- nice grass home pitch where, uh, where where they tend to play. Um, you know, South Georgia lost a couple of key players uh, as well. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if, if some of these other players that came from Tormenta too, and they, and they signed will, uh, will will go in there to the back line, because if you can say anything, they had some good players in the back line of South Georgia, but they still let in, uh, you know, just that one extra goal that they let in was uh, what was always problematic where, you know, they, they had three points and then they, it became one. And that, that, that's the reason why they didn't quite, um, you know, hit that playoff line last year. And we'll do a preview show, but I think with them, it's going to be fun because Chattanooga was definitely a crossing team, but I think that uh, Tormenta might become a crossing team too. I think uh, they've got a, you know, they picked up some speedy wingers this this offseason. Yep. And yep. Uh, Pato, hey. as a striker, he's good with his head. So I think that uh, you're going to start seeing a lot more side play from uh, both teams. How excited do you think Devin Jamga is not to have to fly back out to Tucson <laughs> to play his former team? <laughs> so. Uh, one of my favorite interviews from last year, by the way. Um, so uh, cross state rivals, uh, not a big surprise. They're actually playing. They, they played the first game of MLS's back. Uh, Orlando City and uh, um, and Inter Miami. So their B teams are also the regional rivals. Unsurprisingly, Fort Lauderdale um, Football Club and Orlando City B. Um, snoozer. Like I, I don't don't know Listen, what to think about this one. Could be ten ten. I mean, who knows. I, we were i don't need, i don't know if we recorded it but we were a week away from record, recording our bowl prediction show and one of my bowl predictions was that Orlando City was going to be if not in the playoffs one spot out of it i wow. take all that back please do not ever that footage exists <laughs> burn it delete it i didn't say it i'll deny it until i can anymore that's not that's not happening and the reason why that's not happening is because so Orlando City actually had players that tested positive 
that were supposed to be loaned down the OCB. Now, because they tested positive, they're not going to be able to loan down those players. So all the, you know, you have, you have DK, you've got uh, Benji, Michelle, who might've been loaned. You have a lot of strikers up top, right? You have a lot of midfielders. They could have been loaned down. They're not being loaned down anymore. So Orlando city B their team is mostly made up of Academy kids and a couple of the internationals that they got to bring in before the season started. I'm not, I'm not trusting it. Um, right. If anything uh, in Miami, they have veteran players, right? They've got the, the flamboyant Breck Shea, you know, they've got uh, Ricky, Lose, uh, Ricky Espin who's played in this league before. Right. So I would put my money on Miami kind of coming out there and, and doing work. And I'm sure they're glad that their rival is Orlando because it's kind of a soft uh, start for them as an intro into the league. So it's, so Fort Lauderdale doesn't have Breck Shea because he got called up to the first team, right? He was one of the kind of – For now, I, right? I want to say surprise signings. For now. Yeah, but but I – well, certainly through the through the MLS. It's Breck Shea. Breck Shea is going to give you three terrible games. They're going to go, okay, bring him back down to Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> We're not doing this. He's going to he's – I'm sorry. He'll give you one incredible game first, and then he'll miss the tap-ins in a terrible game. You're like, yeah, you got to send him back. Right. So. Yeah. So, uh, so Omaha was able to get their only real bus trip and uh, got forward Madison. Not a big surprise. They've already they've already kind of created this this derby atmosphere between the supporters. You look at all the Twitter banter and mm-hmm. you know here listen to some of the podcasts and stuff. And you know both fan bases seem to want this to be a rivalry. So the fact that you know Omaha and and Madison are going to be up there, I think, is pretty exciting just from you know the the first season of, of Union Omaha and the, the Omaha guys are really um they're pretty confident I, um you know they have some good players but should we really be you know that excited about or should yeah. they be that excited or Listen, more concerned if, if this is this is your opportunity with 20 games and kind of having these you know soft launches you're you know like everyone's kind of not in the groove this is your opportunity to kind of you know take advantage of that and pull off some surprises right you don't have to go a whole season the the number one thing that omaha for their obstacle is going to face is those long seasons that players haven't played the full length of was going to be the back and forth of traveling you know going to uh Orlando on a Wednesday and then having to go back and play a home game that Saturday, they don't have to do that now, at, you know, for as long. So this is their chance to where if they can find a groove and they can get it going and they get hot, they might be able to beat, you know, for, you know, the, you know, ma- majority of three out of four times or two out of four times, and then, you know, make it to the playoffs and then they can get all the trash talking they want. And, uh, you know, the parliament can, can chug their beers and celebrate. <laughs> and, you know, they, they want to be that team, right? They come in, they have the cool branding they're having people come and doing watch parties before the team even exists and watching preseason games on youtube like they want to be that team so yeah i'm excited about omaha and fort and uh and elma's uh, obviously at um at you know how my, my absolutely favorite interview that we did last year uh was with elma he's doing by the way facebook lives every uh every wednesday so i i watched him today and um you know shout out you know talking about life the universe and everything out there um so so forward madison it doesn't have to go to orlando city and omaha does not have to go to fort lauderdale so that makes perfect sense right yeah. like you know super i'm sure i'm sure ford travel. is not happy about that though right that's that's the <laughs> that's the only time they would want to go to Orlando to play. So <laughs> just get 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 a single Just one. Get some easy points and keep it moving. Yeah. 
well, that's that's fair. So I guess I mean that's an interesting point because if if Orlando is going to be as weak as as you know we think that they might be, then certainly that's six points maybe that forward has to find somewhere else basically, right? Yeah. Um, and and we'll see. I mean, with with Toronto not you know playing this year, I know they're rivals are supposed to be new england so then how does that work right is it is every team still going to have four of those rivalry games or is it going to be squeezed into maybe some have four some have three i, I don't know how that's going to work so we'll have to see well we go the other way right some would have four and some would have five right because we have they have to add every team has to add another um two games yeah. to uh to their schedule um, so, the so yeah so, so we'll see all right, uh, moving on. Greenville Triumph Richmond Kickers. I mean, geographically makes perfect sense, right? Uh, I mean, they're relatively close. You just have to go through North Carolina to get there. You know, Kickers have a new, uh, you know, new coach. They've signed a number of new players. Greenville is largely coming back. You know, with a, just a couple of changes here and there. Uh, obviously, Brandon Fricky, you know, moving from Lansing down to Greenville is probably an upgrade. A little, well, I don't say an upgrade, but certainly a, a good get for uh, for Greenville. You know, do, do, what do you think? Are the kickers going to disappoint like they did last year? Or, do you, uh, you know, Greenville obviously made it to the finals and looked really good doing it. You know, John Hart's had their defense chugging along. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that Richmond wasn't excited to see that. That was their rivals. I'm sure they would have much rather had New England Revolution too, uh, being a new team. And then especially, like you said, new coach, new players. I, I do think that Richmond showed, especially towards the end of the year, they did show some promise, right? They did seem to find themselves in, in a good situation. Riley Kraft was looking good. And Wapo, was, he yeah. was looking good. Um, and so they had, you know, some promising buildup. They they looked good towards the end. Um, they went on a run. Remember, they they were almost dead. And then all of a sudden, it looked like there was a possibility. Yep. They, had, they, had, they had really, really, they had a shot until about the third to last match of the season last year. You know, yeah. like if they had swept the rug, swept the rug they would have been right there depending on, you know, other, other results. So I'm not going to say, you know, they're going to get completely molly I will say though, that of the rivalry games, you take away Orlando, Miami. I don't know how entertaining this one's going to be. Right. I think it's going to be Greenville. You know, if they put in a goal, then that's it. They're going to try to right. shut it down. And I don't know if, you know, we'll find out if Richmond has the the firepower to break through that. I don't know, you know, with Jake Keegan and, you know, I think Greenville, I, I think Coach Harks did a good job last year, obviously, getting the back line of Greenville very, uh, very solid. And then I think this year he's probably been thinking about, hey, how do we score a little bit more, right? Like, I, I don't think they're, it, it seems to me like when you go, when you look at the end of Greenville season last year, going up and uh, toward the toward the playoffs, they were scoring a lot more goals, even without Jake Keegan, right? Now, part of that was obviously you had, you know, a couple of pretty lucky goals by you know, certain people, but, um, but nonetheless, I, I suspect that Greenville will be a little bit more offensive this year than they were last year, just because, you know, they didn't lose a lot of players and they have more chemistry than, than they had last year compared to some other teams that have had much more rotation, particularly a lot of the two teams, obviously. His name um, is Alex Morrell. That is the oh, Alex Morrell is who you were thinking of. Okay. No, yeah. I'm saying that's the answer to your question of more goals and more offense. Oh yeah, of course. Picking up Alex Morrell. Yeah. Um, so, we're going to have a problem with this one because New England Revolution 2 no longer has a rival. Um, they were supposed to not play the Greenville Triumph, um, which was their omitted opponent. Um, maybe, you know, New England winds up getting a couple of matches against Greenville because, um, they, you know, d just because of the whole Toronto thing. So we'll have to wait for the schedule to see that. Um, North Texas and FC Tucson, obviously they're close. 
geographically, not really, but <laughs> the closest you can get, yeah, <laughs> the closest you can get from Tucson based on who's in the league right now. Um, you know, does North Texas just roll over FC Tucson? Or Listen, I've you- I've been hearing rumblings, and you know, I don't know if it's official. I'm following up, but the word is that there might be a good amount of FC Dallas players that are going to be you know, dropping down to North Texas to get some playing time. And if, if that's the case, it's not fair, man. <laughs> like the defending champs already, and now you're going to go and get MLS players to come down and, and you know, just spread their legs. I, I'm, that's not cool, man. Just- do, do you, how much do you think, you know, one of the things that some folks have talked about and, and certainly would be an interesting idea would be in, in the future for USL basically to limit the loans down a little mm-hmm. bit more. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, I mean, it makes perfect sense. I, and certainly from a development perspective, you want to have at least a little bit of a pathway, but maybe you have to designate just, you know, five or six players at the beginning of the season that can do that or something. Yeah, so I'm shocked that the owners haven't come and, you know, maybe they have behind closed doors and going, absolutely not. We are not trying to see FC Dallas. Like we already dealt with Ricardo Pepe. We don't want to deal with him anymore. He went to FC Dallas. That was supposed (laughs) to be the end of it. We're not trying to see him again. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Yep. Um, so FC Tucson, any any rumblings about what they're looking like this season? You know, they yeah, were new new players. Um, they don't new coach have, new coach. They don't have a um, permanent number. You know, they don't have a permanent striker. So I don't know. You know, Jordan Jones, uh, as my knowledge, didn't resign. I don't think he signed to anybody right now, and uh, he kind of took over. That's a good get. Someone pick him up. Uh, I, I think he might be hearing something soon. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, right now they, they picked up some exciting players like Shaq Adams. You've got Charlie Dennis. They've got some exciting offensive players. So we'll have to see, uh, you know, what they're going to bring. Obviously now it's a different, you know, offensive scheme. It's a different tactics, you know, so we'll have to see. It's not going to be the same kind of absorb pressure and then counter Tucson that we saw last year. Right. And, uh, North Texas does not play the kickers. Um, so that's their, um, their, omitted opponent so again Richmond some of some of these Richmond has to play Greenville 20 million times but they don't have to play North Texas so that, that right. yeah so that that kind of evens that, out that's right fine. It's 12 points or or 6 points that they don't uh, they don't go down easily yeah. uh so who else are we missing i think that's that's, that's everyone it. yeah so um well done to us. Uh, so yeah. we're, we're now just waiting for Brandon to, to sign oh, in. But we're, oh, we're, and we're speak here. of the devil, no, the timing here. could not be better. <laughs> With us now is Brandon Fricky, defender for the Greenville Triumph, formerly of Lansing Ignite, as well as other teams within the USL structure and also in Sweden. Brandon, thanks very much for coming on League One Fun. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. How's everything going? It's going good. So I'm going to, uh, you know, we're, we're just going to start off with, uh, I think Jason's going to ask the first question and then we'll just go back and forth and hope to have a, a nice little conversation here. Yeah, cool. Works for me. Let, let's start with it. What's, uh, I know it's it's not what you expected, but what's life like in Greenville right now? <laughs> um, You know, honestly, it's, it's pretty good. Um, we're lucky to have like some really good outdoors opportunities out here. So we've been able to stay out a little bit and, you know, not be stuck. <laughs> two inside um, comparatively. Um, so we've been getting out training. Um, guys are getting sharp, getting fit again, getting ready for, you know, what will become of this new, you know, league one season here in the fall. So, um, you know, overall, I think we're excited um, and ready to go. And Greenville's, from what I saw before, it's a great little town. Um, like you said, obviously not able to explore as much as I initially had hoped, but, you know, hopefully we'll get that opportunity sooner rather than later. 
So uh, you, I, I would love to get it. I, I would love to get into some of your background a little bit, Brandon, mm-hmm. later. But let's talk about what's the first thing that you do when you get to a new city? Because you've been, you know, really you're between Europe and the U.S. You, you've been into a number of different places now. But what's the first thing that you do? Uh, first thing, you got to find your best coffee spot. I would say for me, and then probably food to follow. So you got to find your favorite coffee spot to go after training. Um, a couple of the guys conversate over the training, get away from that. And then, you know, I always love to have some good food options, you know, for when the ladies in town and, you know, the family take them out and, you know, enjoy the stuff off the pitch as well. So those are my first go-tos when I see a new place. Yeah. That's your pregame ritual, right? Making sure you get some coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to ask now, obviously you haven't been able to train as much, but you know, you as a defensive player going to, to coach Hark's team, right? That's, that's kind of like their dream It's just like, that's the general he, that, you know, Greenville, that's what they're known for defense. So, you know, what's been the big difference so far, you know, practicing and, you know, working under coach Hark's uh, compared to what you were doing in Lansing. Yeah, I think, you know, you hit it on the head. You know, last year the identity was a very structured defensive team for Greenville, and I think we're going to instill that again this year. But also I think you'll see, you know, a bit more of an expansive attacking team as well. Um, but I think, you know, John just likes to keep us tight and not give away easy things, um, you know, have a good structure to the group. You know, everyone knows their role and knows their position and everyone's willing to fight for the other guy. Um, you know, and that's something he instilled from day one, obviously last year and has built on it this year with some of the additions, um, and with the core that he brought back. So, you know, it's kind of ingrained in the culture, um, like you said, and then, you know, we're hoping to build off that and, you know, have some attacking football as well. So let's talk a little bit about that. One of the challenges that Greenville had for the first half of the season last year in particular was the attack and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, very defensive, uh, posture a lot of times, um, you know, what types of things has Coach Harks been talking to you guys about in starting the attack from the back and um, and getting the ball up up in front, firstly? And, and secondly, you know, it, does Jake Egan still call uh, John Harks the gaffer? <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, like you said, obviously, I think last year they were defensively very sound and actually had a good possession team. And then in that final third, maybe just didn't click quite well. So we've been working a lot on that. Um, we were starting to click pretty well in the preseason before we got put on hold, to be fair. And then, you know, I think in the last couple of weeks that we started training, we can see it more just working on the final ball, the final bit that's so hard in soccer, let's be honest. You know, that's where the best teams separate themselves. And that's where we're trying to look is the timing, the connections, having everyone, you know, on board with what we're trying to accomplish, you know, what's the ball look like, what's the service look like, and then the ultimate end product is getting the finish in. So we've been doing just a lot of reps. And, you know, that time we had with no contact, I think benefited just because that's really all you could do was timing reps, patterns, getting used to the technique, seeing the ball hit the back of the net. So I think that's going to pay off dividends um, when we come into the competition. But, you know, outside of that, it's just he's instilled a bit of more of a freestyle play um, once we get into the final third and just, you know, get it to our playmakers and, you know, let them create, you know, we have some really good playmakers on this team, some guys that can beat a man one V one or final final pass. So it's just about, you know, getting the ball to those guys um, and then letting them do their thing and, you know, putting the final product on it where I think last year, like you said, it was just that one step behind. So I'm hoping we get it all together this year. 
Last year, your passing, your clearances on point, you were ranked, I think, top three for defenders in, in the league in both categories. Mm-hmm. What have you been working on personally this offseason? Like, what was the one thing you went in and you were like, you know what, this is what I want to improve with? Um, you know, you're just, you're just too good. Been, there's nothing. Right? Uh, I like, think I'm, you I'm know, it's hard to say. Like, it's reading the game is just a generic answer, but it's probably the right answer like just seeing everything a step quicker like you can watch old film and we took some time here in the off um, I call it the off season but this last period where you know coach brought us some old film from even from last year for all of us um, just watching some of that stuff and just seeing just reading the game quicker and seeing openings quicker and you know taking more of an onus on myself to create the game um like you said and you know use the passing ability to our team's benefit you know and getting involved to those playmakers in the right manner and you know just trying to see different sides of the game and nate helped start that path for me last year and john's done it as well this year is just seeing different angles um seeing different places to pick up the ball as a center back which might seem trivial but to be honest like little positioning differences can make the world of difference, you know, when you're trying to attack and break down another team. So just seeing other options that are available, um, trying to open up teams and, you know, kind of create a more free flowing, but also structured football defensively, um, you know, that we're trying to have this year. So let's talk to us a little bit about some of the protocols that you've had to go through. You know, we've seen some videos from, from some teams and, and mm-hmm. all of the process that you go through in order to just get onto the pitch every morning. Um, you know, talk about how that is going for you and, you know, what, what concerns or, uh, you, you might have in, in this environment, you know, but playing in particular, but also, uh, eventually traveling. Yeah. Um, to be fair, you know, the protocols are obviously are in place to keep us safe and to protect us. And they haven't been too taxing, like wear a mask when we're not on the pitch. Um, you know, we have our temperature taken every day. We have a, a questionnaire that kind of asks us to make sure we don't have any symptoms and to, to backtrack anything that might have happened previously. And then obviously we're starting up with the testing protocol and they're kind of figuring that out as the league goes and how each team is going to tackle that. But you know, there's been a couple hiccups, but nothing, nothing crazy. We're kind of ironed that out, you know, and we need to, cause we're getting close, but, um, outside of that, you know, it's been different. It's been a little, takes a little bit away from the team chemistry maybe. Cause you know, I think if you ask any player, some of the best times are in the morning when everyone's sat around having a coffee or after training guys are having lunch, talking about the session or discussing soccer on a broader sense or just life in general. So from that side, it's been, you know, I don't know really what the white word is, but it's just, you know, that's kind of the only downside that I see the, you know, the bright side is we're still being able to play. Um, you know, we just have to go through a couple hoops in order to do so. And, you know, we're, we're signed on our trainer is really on top of it, keeping us on top of it. Um, Cause at the end of the day, you know, if anyone gets this potentially 10, 14 days, we're going to have a lot of games and little days and that could be a large chunk of the season. So we got to be on top of that. Um, you know, for the benefit of the team as well. Yeah, that was going to be my question because obviously the most exciting thing about this season is you don't have to play on Toronto's terrible field anymore. <laughs> but I'm, no assuming, I'm assuming the most difficult thing is probably going to be all those games in that short amount of time and, you know, doing those midweek games, right? Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be taxing. But at the same time, every team is going to have to go through it. So... To be, to be fair, like, as long as it's an equal playing field, like, no one can really, you know, 
be too upset. You know, everyone's going to have the couple of tough back to backs where travel is involved. Um, you know, I think you're going to see teams that are going to have to utilize the new five sub rule and, you know, do a little bit of rotation. And I think our team will hopefully benefit because I think we're a very deep team. You know, John came in and added some, some good pieces, um, you know, to the team overall and a lot of depth, to be honest, I think we're too deep across the board to be fair. And I think, you know, teams that have that depth and the connection throughout the team and not just the starting 11 um, are going to hopefully see some success, you know, and be able to rotate through a few guys and utilize them to, you know, get the most out of some of these quick turnarounds. Yeah, just going going back a little bit to the uh, to the the protocols, but also just in general about the league. Um, you know, have you been involved at all with the uh, with the players' association, and uh, you know, and if so, what what is that process like with communication between the players' association and, and the players at the ground level? Yeah, so I, I can't speak for every team because I don't know if they're all set the same. But for us, we have two player reps. Um, I'm not one of them personally but they are kind of our liaison between the players association and the individual players. So whenever something has come up where it's an issue that they're discussing and they want player input or, you know, a vote or anything, obviously they communicate that to us. And then we kind of go back and forth with them. And to be fair, I think, you know, I got to give credit to the PA. They've done a great job in handling this and sticking up for the players, um, you know, and having a voice and the league as well as, you know, worked with us and we came to an agreement and, you know, at the end of the day, that's what everyone wanted to do is get back on the pitch. And so I think it's fair on that aspect. But, yeah, we've just been working through our PA and, you know, our, our um, player reps on our team. And they've done a great job communicating to us. And, you know, we have a pretty good team as far as open communication lines. So we've, you know, been able to discuss any issues we've had or, you know, what, what have you in this whole process. And it's gotten to the upper ranks. And I think um, anyone that has something to be heard has been heard. So it's been well on that for so, you know, with this season, you're going to be playing Richmond four times, possibly five now when we have this yeah. schedule change. Have, you know, and, and especially with what's going on and, you know, the play, the team that you're being admitted to playing, is there a kind of different, you know, like training and tactics kind of into this now where it's like, all right, well, we know almost a quarter of our games is this one team. We've seen this one team play. Are you trying to, are you per- preparing differently than you would for a regular season? Um, to be honest, we haven't really discussed that part yet as a group. Um, you know, I'm sure John has his thoughts, you know, it's like you said, if you kind of look at that as, you know, and I think we did it a bit last year when you had three or four teams, sometimes you're playing a couple times and it's almost like you break it down and say against each team as a series. Right. And if you win your series against that team at the end of the day, that's going to hopefully put you high up in the table. So, um, I think that's one way to look at it. We haven't really discussed it per se as a group yet. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, when you have the bulk against one team, you, you might say, well, let's take, you know, obviously hopefully 12 points as of now, if we play four times off of them, but you look at the home and away and kind of gauge what can we do against that in that series. And then, you know, look at each other little series as kind of a, you know, a mini home and away or, you know, what have you, as we see, you know, who knows when we're going to schedule hopefully soon, but um, you know, you you got a point. We haven't really discussed it, but I would say you kind of look at it like that, like a mini series, and what can you do? And I mean, every team is going to be different this year. I think every team's improved. So um, that first kind of weekend or two, a lot of teams are going to be feeling each other out, and then we'll kind of, you know, be able to go from there. I think and engage what we should be getting out of everything. 
So let's go back a little bit in your history here. Mm -hmm. So you you played for the Des Moines Menace while you were in college back in 2010 to 2012. And then you, um, you know, you bounced around a little bit, but you spent some time, a couple of years in, in uh, uh, a couple of seasons in Sweden and then back to Des Moines. What, what made you, you know, choose that, that route and what made you come back to Des Moines versus, you know, um, trying to stay in Europe for, for part of the year? Um, I mean, probably a couple factors, but ultimately, you can say the women is fine. You can you can hundred percent say the women. No, it's <laughs> no. Is uh, ultimately like honestly, like I just I know the the organization in Des Moines is top notch, and for me, I, I ran out the whole year. Um, I think twenty sixteen was my first full year in Sweden, um, and I kind of did that and you know tried to get looks to go higher over in Sweden, and it didn't really materialize, um, and so I had the option to go back to that team and. At the time, personally, um, you know, just not sure if I was going to have a, a good look to go up in Sweden. I wanted to be back in the States for, you know, both kind of personal reasons, just for settling down purposes. And then just I kind of saw what it was like over there. And if I wasn't going to move up, I wasn't 100% into playing in Europe. So wanted to be in the States, um, you know, and at that time, actually, that first off season, I had a surgery um, and was recovering for that. So I was a bit late coming back and that put me a little behind the eight ball with trying to find a team in the States, um, which, so all those factors together kind of led me back to Des Moines. I knew that first year was John Pascarella and I knew him from Sporting Kansas City. um, And he said he was going to obviously put together a strong team and, you know, help promote me and, you know, anyone else that was looking to get on a professional contract, if that opportunity arose, you know, we were going to be free to go and he was going to help promote that. So for me, it was a good opportunity to be home, close to home. And as I was working back to fitness and then just, you know, with knowing John being comfortable, knowing the organization, I saw it as a good platform to hopefully move up. Didn't happen that first year and ended up going back to Sweden. So at the end of the day, I, you know, exposed myself to the U.S. market and then again in the Europe market. So, you know, can't really look back and don't have any regrets, but yeah, that was kind of the reason I wanted to go back. So really, really quick, what's the biggest uh, difference do you find between the lower divisions in the U.S. and and uh, lower divisions in in Sweden? I mean, is it um, you know is it professionalism? Is it uh, you know what what kinds of um, you know uh, facilities you have? Like what is you know how do you find it different or or similar? Um, first on the kind of structure. Uh, you could look at it and there's really nothing similar to it here. Like, I guess you could compare it kind of to baseball, but even more so over there, every town has kind of their own football or hockey or they have their kind of team, right. And their club and you're kind of raised through that club. And then if you're good enough, you move on to, you know, a higher club in the region. Um, it's not really a comparison in the States, but so you have that and it's a lot of homegrown younger players. And like, I mean, I lived in a town of 15,000 people and there were three local um, kind of clubs in that area. And you kind of grew up supporting your club and, you know, that's just kind of how it was. Um, the facilities were, were actually pretty nice to be fair. Um, and then from a tactical or style of play standpoint, I thought where I was at least the play was more, kind of tactical and I want to say rigid, but it was more of a tactical defensive game. Like if you gave the ball away, we get back into, you know, our shape and you have to break us down versus where I'd say over here, 
you know, you, you see some more free flowing football, some more attacking minded football. So over there, it was kind of more of a tactical, let's get into our block. And that kind of goes back to what I was told was when Sven Goran Eriksson took over the Swedish national team and kind of instilled that English style. And that kind of evolved. And a lot of coaches took that on, especially in the littler clubs, because that's what they had exposure to. So, um, yeah, those were two of the differences. And then obviously you have some cultural differences just between, you know, American players, um, global players, and then the Swedish players. But overall, it was a great experience for me. I really enjoyed it, but glad to be back here now. So, yeah, did you have to salute to a picture of Zlatan every morning before? Basically. Every game? Yeah. yeah. Like they, <laughs> they worship wherever he is, whatever team he's on. When he's, I was there when he transferred to Manchester United, and uh, overnight, half of Sweden became United fans. So it was. It was pretty wild, to be honest. But I, I wonder if they became Galaxy fans for a little while. Uh, I don't know about that. I wasn't around for that, but I can assume so. More so, so are you looking to stay in the U.S. market? Are you open to going back to Europe? Are you you feel like this is here? You you're settled. You want to be here? Yeah, I'd probably say I'm. You know, here to stay now. Uh, just like I said, I kind of I kind of had that experience. Um, and I think, you know, growing up in the States as a young player, especially my age, everyone sees Europe and, you know, you want to play in Europe, right? Like that's the big thing. Let's go do that. Um, so I wanted to experience that and I did. And like I said, it was a great experience, but now I'm, I'm happy to be back in the States. Um, you know, got my friends and family are able to, to see me play, um, which is awesome. You know, they were only able to see one game. And unfortunately I got sent off the time before. So my mom flew to Europe and wasn't able to watch me play. So that's what oh, no. I say about the Swedish referees is you think like I always thought I always thought that you know the Swedish the Nords are I might get a bit of stick for saying this but I thought they were you know the tough guys you know get stuck in the tackles but I was seeing a lot of a lot of questionable challenges and I didn't think I was doing anything wrong so you know is what it is you heard it get your referee license get your referee license yeah. I have to tell you it changes yeah. the way you play for sure I can um, imagine yeah. Yeah, I try and I try and be buddies with refs now. That's oh. my new approach. <laughs> Talk to them early and often. Get on their good side. A couple of good calls early in the game it makes the world a difference. Yeah, and different re- different referees definitely call the game differently too. Yeah. So so yeah. you know the more the more reps you have with that referee, the you oh, know exactly. the, the more you know what they're what, what they're looking for. So. Is that something that's a, that's a last minute adjustment from coaches? Like, have you had a coach say to you like, oh, you know, we you oh, see yeah. that this ref. Reference, so y'all make sure to to watch out because they have a low temperament or whatever it might be. Oh yeah, I mean, speaking just from so like last year being um, in some of every before every game, there's a captains meeting between both captains, one of the coaches, and the referees, and you can kind of get a feel sometimes for maybe a referee's attitude. You know, they might say it, they might be indirect. Um, you know, even sometimes you'll see a coach put a word in the referee's ear as, as early as those meetings. Um, so I mean, I've left those meetings last year going back to the team and saying like, listen guys, like, you know, this, this is something we want to watch for, you know, the other coaches kind of wound up about this, just, he put a word in the ear, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, definitely adjustments are made, um, you know, based on the referee, they're all human and you know, they make decisions differently, like you said, and see the game differently. So you have to kind of, you know, be smart with what you're dealing with. 
Ira's a ref, so he's sensitive. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dog. realistic about it. So, so Brandon, so qu- question for you: uh, What's the one most surprising thing since going to Greenville that you've heard from the coaching staff about either about your game or just like you know what what they expect you to do on the field? Like, like a Swede. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> um, well, I'd say they they want me and. The other center back, um, both center backs, whoever's playing at the time, they want us to take more onus and drive the game more, which is becoming, I think, more of a thing in the game overall. Yeah. But seeing you're seeing more center backs actually dribbling out of pressure and committing defenders, um, which actually makes sense when you think about it, because then you, you know, it's like we do everywhere else on the field. But I think older days, you would have said center back, get it and pass it just immediately. And I think that's a trend that they've pushed on me here, um, especially early was let's, you know, try and utilize the space and, you know, try and commit defenders to you because, you know, once you commit a defender, that means someone else is, you know, hopefully open and find the right pass. And then we can break down teams and move up from that. So that's definitely something that we've had a conscious effort on here. And, you know, I think you're seeing elsewhere as well, but yeah. So what are we talking? Three assists from you this year? Four? Uh, I'll, I'll even count the hockey assist. I'm just looking for you those count three the balls. Assist? Is I'll that count assist in the league one? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, we got some pacey guys this year. If I get in trouble, I'm just going to lump it in the corner and hope they make something out of it, maybe score a couple goals. Yeah. I'll take yeah, that. I mean, talk, talk because you got the, you got the Muhammad family going. You've got Alex Morrell. you got Keegan. You've got some, like, yeah. one thing about Greenville and what I was saying earlier was, you know, they were kind of uh, – they put points on the board and then they'll shut it down and, you know, try to kill the game that way. And now it looks like – you know, and what you're saying, it's going to be more of an offensive attack. So I'm sure it's been, you know, it's it's like a homecoming for you because with, you know, Lansing, you had same thing. You had high offensive power guys and some quick guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, like I said, we were kind of starting to click on that and and get it going in the end of the preseason before everything shut down. And, and we're seeing it now, um, you know, as we started training again, we definitely have some, some firepower. And it's just, like I said earlier, it's just about getting that last little bit together and I think we could score a lot of goals this year. Um, a lot of pace on the wings, some very good hold-up players as our strikers. And, you know, I think we're adjustable as well as a team. We could change some things tactically if we need to adjust and, you know, get at teams in different ways. So I think that'll hopefully benefit us as well. Since Jason brought up Lansing, um, do you keep up with any of your former teammates in, from that uh, that now defunct team up in Michigan? Or, do you, yeah. you know, are you all your own way now? No, no, I, I think we, we had a pretty tight knit team to be fair. Um, and I've kept in touch with, you know, a good number of the guys, just nothing crazy. Um, a few of them pretty close to, um, but yeah, we text every once in a while, see how each other do and see how either, you know, each team is dealing with the quarantine as well. Um, talk to the guys that moved up to the championship. Um, you know, they're enjoying themselves and, hopefully going to do some good stuff in the championship. I think they're all quality players and can really make an impact at that level too. Um, so I'm excited to see them play, I guess. Yeah. this starting this weekend. Um, so yeah, I've been in touch with, you know, majority of the guys, to be honest, even some of the guys that have moved on and we still keep in touch and, you know, it was a really tight knit group, obviously ended under whatever you want to call it circumstances, but you know, is what it is. Yeah. That's the I mean, you it. Yes. We're, we're all, yeah. we all understand what it was. <laughs> it is what it is. So we move on and, you know, I'm happy I landed here. You know, it's a great setup here. And I think, I think to be fair, it worked out for a lot of the guys and mm-hmm. we're able to find good homes. So 
you know, I think it's been, it's been all right. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, with, with you, you have a great opportunity, Nate playing USL championship. You see Greenville last year sent uh, Pullets and Bermudez up to USL mm-hmm. championship. So it's definitely a team that's being looked at. It's definitely, you know, a recognizable coach and it's somebody who, you know, is respected for his, his success and his tactics. So I'm excited to see what you're bringing this year, man. I appreciate yeah, you joining definitely. us. No, guys, thanks for having me. We're ready to get going here soon. That's great. That was Brandon Fricky from the Greenville Triumph joining League One Fun. Thanks very much again, Brandon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, Brandon. So, Jason, we're a little bit off script. Do we want to just uh, go back and talk a little bit about the safety protocols, and then see if, uh, and then see if there's anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, if you go to USL League One website, they actually have almost like a digital program of it, and um, you know, they they break down it's like fifty odd pages, right? Right. And I know, I know, you as a soccer nerd and a nerd for rules and regulations will read every single word of it. I can see already done, man. Already done. Flowing. Um, but basically, you know, talked about you know them creating a hiatus task force uh, with individuals nominated from the teams to kind of have these brainstorming sessions and talk about, you know, what was the most concerning thing about this and what they wanted to relay with health and safety, um, you know, and, and implementing protocols like masks must be worn at all times, except, you know, when you're actively playing a game or you're actively in training, uh, the league even made educational material for the players to kind of help them with getting, you know, accustomed to this new lifestyle and making sure that they're properly social distancing and making sure that they're properly, you know, preventing spread. So, uh, I think that they've done a great job so far. Uh, we'll see, you know, as far as the enforcement of it, um, when everything goes on, hopefully when it comes to bus drivers and air, you know, people working on the you know, airplane or at the airport, they're also part of it to where they're, you know, forced to, you know, wash their hands or use sanitizer and wear a mask. And so, yeah, hopefully throughout the season, we'll, we won't see any positive cases come up. I think so. A lot of the protocols deal with stadia, right? So they deal with having fans in the stadium. So the league is, you know, there's a lot of people who are concerned that, you know, the league coming out and, and having fans in the stadium is not the right thing to do. And, and Jason, I, I think you're probably among them. Um, but realistically, what, what do you think the options were if it was either that or not have a season, right? Because, you know, the thing about League One is there's no TV revenue. Um, so, you know, unless you have a lot of mer- a lot of extra merchandise sweet. revenue, you're not making Luxurious any Luxurious ESPN Plus deal. How dare you? Yeah, $46,000 <laughs> per team or something uh, is what, what it came out to. Uh, so, you know, that probably pays for Stephen Beattie yeah, or something. Like two Jadas. I don't, I don't understand what you're <laughs> complaining about. Um, so, you know, what, what, uh, you know, do you think that people are actually going to come? Do you think it's going to be, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, we know, we know from, let, let me say that, you know, go back and listen to our last two episodes where I talked to a lot of executives and owners and, um, you know, the, the stadiums are going to be significantly, um, I, I don't want to say underutilized, but but they're going to be limited in the amount of of people that they have. So Richmond, for example, they're going under the assumption they can only have a thousand fans in their nine thousand person stadium, right? So um, so it's going to be very highly social distance within there. But you know, the question is, are are there going to be people coming, and is every single game going to be a sellout based on you know these very limited numbers? Yeah, I. I do think people are going to go. I think people are at the point now they'll make any excuse to get out the house. Right. And so, especially when it's something that they love like soccer, they'll definitely go. 
it, it's going to come down to how responsible people are and it's going to come down to how strict security and you know the stadiums are with keeping those protocols and keeping that distance right because at a soccer game you look at supporters group of course they're going to want to be near each other and chanting and hugging each other and high-fiving and so I don't know. I just think I, I understand it. I know these teams got to make money. I know this is a lower league soccer. And I know that, you know, match day, game day, you know, merch and ticket sales and, you know, concession, that's how they get bread. It's just, I, I hope that it's not one of those things to where it starts, you know, you have people start saying, oh, like it was reported that three people have now tested positive that went to this game. And then all of a sudden now the league, you know, looks like a liability because they kind of helped with the spread of this. So it's tough. You know, it's it's a rock and a hard place because you want to see these teams make money. You want to see them succeed. But then you also need to realize that, you know, you have to keep people safe first. Right. This is a health over money thing. So it's tough. It is tough. Yeah. And, you know, the issue is not so much, you know, the individuals making the choice to go, but it's who they then see afterward, right? Yeah. Like if they're exposed, right? So that that's always that, that's yeah. always going to be the issue, quite I, frankly, I, until I, there's I, a vaccine, right? I keep saying it. Yeah, we don't know the long-term conditions of this. This is not people like to compare it to the flu. And I'm not going to get on a you know pedestal and go on a ramp, but we don't know the long-term conditions of this. So in five months, when all of a sudden people who had it aren't able to, you know, hear or taste anything, we, we, we can't, you know, we can't predict that kind of stuff. And so it's one of those things to where the safety should be coming first. And it's not about, well, well, I'm young and healthy, so I won't die from it. Death counts don't, don't matter. It's about keeping people safe and preventing from others who aren't as young, who aren't as healthy as you uh, from potentially dying. Right. Uh, Jason, anything else to talk about today? No, I guess we got soccer coming up. Uh, yeah, American we got soccer. soccer. USL championship know. starts right. on the 12th. The championship this weekend, yeah. Yeah, the 18th is uh, are the are going to be the first matches. We should Thursday or Friday get the uh, updated schedule without uh, Toronto on it for League One. And, uh, you know, other men's soccer, the NWSL um, Challenge Cup is continues to go on. So uh, some really great soccer out there, quite frankly. It's been quite a fun tournament to watch uh, for me. Um, Jason. Where can people connect with you? Home Sweet Soccer. I will be uh, releasing some uh, articles coming up on the USL website. I'll be tweeting a little bit of preview. And then, of course, for our wonderful BGN network, I'm in the middle of writing a 10,000-word season guide. Wow. So if you have just gotten into the league, if whether you're an Omaha fan or a New England fan or you just need a reminder – you're getting what you get, right? And if you don't read it, uh, don't ever talk to me again. I hate you, and I don't want to do with you. <laughs> well, well, you have to get it done by next Wednesday, so we can. Uh, so I, we can. I'm I can trying to get it. it done by Friday, so that uh, Carson can uh, hate me for having to edit it and uh, okay. use his weekend to do that. So there, there you go. I'll tell you what. Instead of having a show next week, I'll just read it, and and that can be our show, our preview Audio. show. Audiobook, Ira, you got yeah, the an audio book. Yeah, audiobook, 10,000 words. What's that? 10, 000, uh, audiobook season preview. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> there, I love there it. There we go. All right. Jason's at Home Sweet Soccer. I'm at Ira Jersey. The show is at League One. That's League One and the number fun. I always do that, the number fun. It's League One. Fun, uh, but that's the number one. Uh, we're brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Jason. Uh, if you needed a new, any kind of new gear, or especially if you needed a new cool Jersey, where would you go? 
I don't even know. I like. I don't know who if stores are open. I don't know if if soccer exists. I, what do I do? But if you wanted a unique one that was brand new, no one else had, you'd go to Icarus FC, wouldn't you? They ship too, don't they? They do. Perfect. That's absolutely <laughs> perfect. There you go. And with that, hashtag support local soccer. Rest in peace, Toronto. Pour one out for the homies.